So welcome back to User Flows Podcast, everybody. <laughs> Today I'm joined by Karen Gallas, an old colleague and friend, and really excited for her to share her story. And we're going to talk about design sprints, uh, teaching UX design, and a lot of other stuff, and her new role. So welcome, Karen. And uh, if you don't mind, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself that we might not learn on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, so uh, actually, you're, I think one of your former uh, interview people, um, I also have a background in industrial design, and I designed children's toys for a while, um, uh, which led me to, which was my gateway drug to UX. Um, and from that, I worked in consulting for a while, and a lot of different companies, a lot of different industries all over New Jersey, New York area. And then from that, I really got more into financial services and uh, was, uh, I made my way over to Prudential about five years ago. Okay, wow. And, yeah, and it was actually in that first interview with my boss, John Consigli, that I mentioned, hey, have you done design sprints? This is what they are, I really wanna do them. And I was hired and about a month or two later, we were in our first design sprint and sticky notes everywhere in this tiny little room. Um, and it was just, it was really magical, uh, really, really awesome that we got in there at that time um, and got in design sprints happening. Right on. And so I think the last time we spoke, we had just kind of been kicked out of the offices. Yeah. And we were now fully remote. Um, I hear you know a big congratulations is in order. You have a whole new role. Yeah, and that's kind of based off of you know that what the work you started with design sprints at Prudential, right? Yeah, exactly. So that first sprint really showed the power of sprints, um, and I kind of did a a little bit of a roadshow of like, hey, this is what we did. This is how we did it. Design sprints can work here. This is why. Time boxing, a decider. Um, real outcomes, testing, putting in front of users, uh, really things that we just hadn't done. Uh, we, that area at that time, I was just in uh, group insurance. Uh, so it was, you know, your workplace benefits, uh, really, really just group insurance. I don't think we had merged into uh, workplace solutions. So not even the retirement side of that yet. Uh, and really focused on, on, on getting people you know, on their disability and tracking and uh, choosing their benefits and things like that. Um, and that really, that roadshow led to creating, hey, more people want to do design sprints. Okay, I can help you. I can run them. And that's like, oh, wait, there's not enough of me. We need more trainers. So I created a, a design sprint training program, which I think was your first job. Like you had started and, not, and you weren't really doing very much that first week. And yeah. Um, we were like, hey, you want to help create some assets, which was really fun. So Proof Foodie was yeah, the that's shout right, out Proof to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, which the irony of that is that it would have still worked in the pandemic of like having a food service app or now, like probably yeah. be better than cafeterias. Um, and so that led to 2019. And I did... Uh, one to two training sessions a month, including one with um, Evan in Ireland. So we went over there uh, in November, nice. right before the world shut down. And we, in that year, I trained about 500 people throughout the company. So a lot of people, a lot of people using sprints in different ways, uh, teaching people when not to use sprints, which is just as important as when to use sprints. Um, I never sugarcoated that it's a magical pill. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a tool in the toolbox. You don't use a hammer for a screwdriver. So really teaching people 
when to do it, how to do it. Uh, we did some with some BRGs, so, which are uh, diversity groups, uh, which have been were really impactful. Uh, those are really great design sprints. And so creating that design sprint program, um, my last design sprint was March 5th, 2020, uh, to a packed house of like some senior leaders even, and which was great to get that last one was really impactful uh we made a lot of connections with different areas and different people um but that was our last one in person so then when we became remote um i had to create a way to pivot and how do we how do we run design sprints how do we train people how do we how do we do this um and so miro and mural were really great tools i mostly use miro m-i-r-o um there's some really great templates in there for that and then to train new people i created a design sprint training program we have a tool called degreed uh, which is basically like people can create curated content uh, called pathways and so i created a my own pathway and it's nice because when you do in-person training you're the one giving it over and it's just me talking or whoever's facilitating with me with this, I can have lots of different content coming in, lots of different videos. I can have audio. I can cater to different types of learners. Um, so it's like I'm walking along people with that program. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the program, we do an in-person virtual mini design sprint. So people get to experience the design sprint, um, but it's much smaller. And then hopefully they can then conduct one on their own. Um, it's also nice doing it virtually. You have a lot more metrics than doing it in person. Mm -hmm. I can see how long people take. I can see what people like. I can see what people don't like. I can do a survey at the end of every unit. I did surveys, so I, I was able to adjust and keep going forward, but you don't really have that in person. So there are benefits of being in person. There's the benefits of being digital. Same yeah. with running design sprints um, remotely now. Uh, you don't have to worry about assets. You don't have to worry about all those drawings up on the roll. Everybody has access to it in this digital format. It doesn't matter where you're located. Uh, we can work asynchronously. We can work synchronously. We can work collaboratively. It, it allows for a lot more. Um, so what we'll do in, when we get back in the office, I don't know. We'll have to see. Only time will tell with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. And I think I did my last design sprint at Prudential right around that time, um, I think in yeah. April of last year. And that was the first remote one. And that was interesting. We used um, Envision Freehand, oh, which cool. was great because we were going to use Miro, but at, like at the last minute, we realized we couldn't get access to everybody. So it was like a quick yep. kind this of scramble. That, uh, what do we yep. This is, that's actually something that think, thankfully Evan, um, you already interviewed Evan. Uh, he got, oh. he solved that problem for us. So we were able to now we're able to do this a lot quicker and, and figuring out how to, uh, you know, work faster. Um, yeah. Get people trained up. Um, we're actually creating like a best practices way of making sure people use Miro. Yeah. And I, we like live in Miro. I use it for everything now. Um, yeah. Just that big canvas is just so fun. Yeah. No, I love them. And I think it almost, um, it makes it a little bit easier, I think, and less intimidating for a lot of people because they mm -hmm. can just, they get how to draw a box and a line on the computer, yeah. but standing up in front of everybody in a room and drawing yeah. on a whiteboard can be a little bit intimidating yeah. for some, especially those who don't do that every day. Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of the developers and, you know, QA folks and business folks. So I yeah. think the, the digital whiteboards are fantastic. Yeah. They always have the best ideas though. 
you know, when they, when you get a pencil in their hand, they, it's just, uh, you know, really empowering. Yeah. And that's why getting everybody in the room, I always find the, uh, the sales people spend like all the time with the clients and customers. They're always the best people to have in the room. I love that. Yeah. When we redesigned the, uh, employer facing, um, HR manager for our employer portal. Now we call it, uh, benefits site, something, I can't remember what we ended up calling it, but we had a cross collaborative team where we had salespeople and they were so impactful for that. Um, it was just amazing. Very cool. So this might be a little bit over the heads of some. So (laughs) if we could go back to the basics and just talk, you know, what are design sprints? Um, yeah. How do you use them? And yeah. yeah. I, I think I have my book somewhere here. Nope. I think it's still, we just closed our um, office in Roseland. So I brought home all my design sprint books and all my other design books. Um, It's still packed up. Uh, So design sprints, it's a formula. It was created by Jake Knapp, who is a former Google venture, a Googler. And he went into all these different companies and saw that they they all had the same problems. They they had um, challenges of getting uh, people in the same room, getting alignments, making decisions quickly, uh, not circling around, uh, getting things in front of people. And so his formula, it's a methodology, um, originally it was five days. We kind of do between three and four days, depending on the size of the project and problem area, really, um, where you go through the whole design thinking process in a very time boxed manner. Each section builds upon the next section. Um, and everybody who is impactful is in the room. So you only have six to eight people with a decider, the decider makes it and you have a facilitator. So they're keeping you on board. They're the conductor of that train to make sure that you get to the destination. And the destination is at the end of the week, you have a testable solution to put in front of real users. And for this, it could be something that's you know digital um, and a product. It could be a brochure. It could be um, an email campaign. It could be a strategy. It really could be anything as long as you have a user and something to test and then you put that in front of people. And I really think that's the end. We've had some design sprints where I, I and there's also this concept of like uh, winners and maybe laters, um, or maybe they weren't winners of design sprints, but like mm-hmm. you still learn, but unless you get it in front of somebody, you're not getting true learning. You really need to end the design sprint with getting testable solution of some sort. Um, and again, it could be a lot of different ways. And he even talks in the book about, um, uh, you know, maybe it's a service and you could have a roll call and test it out. Uh, mm-hmm. There's different ways. If it's a physical product, you could physically mock it up, which is funny because uh, with industrial design, we never really did anything like that because this probably didn't exist when I was doing industrial design. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a great idea of like starting the week with a problem and ending with a solution. Yeah, no, I love that. And so to a young designer who's just getting started, um, what would be the importance of learning how to facilitate something like a design sprint be to them? Yeah, so I actually teach at Kane University, um, like a intro to web class, and I really emphasize with them like beginning leadership skills, being able to talk in front of a, a, a group of people, being able to lead them, expressing your ideas, uh, whether you're on a team on a design sprint as a designer or as a facilitator, because you could you could play either role. Hopefully, not both. Um, <laughs> that was a learning. <laughs> you can't do both. Yeah. Um, 
you need to to be able to express yourself, uh, have be able to stand up and talk. Uh, before before my school shut down and we were in person, I always made sure that people gave presentations and were able to express their ideas. It's very important, uh, no matter what your role is. Um, I think also that idea of uh, your idea is not always right, you know, and you really need to to experiment and try again and and collaborate and show people your design. Uh, I like that your first idea is not always your best idea. Mm -hmm. um, typically, the better design sprints are when you do one sprint and then do a follow up sprint to improve on it. The chances of you like knocking it out of the park the first time are like slim. Um, yep. and there's always going to be something that you can improve. Always. Nice. Yeah, that's um, I think one of the best things for me and the, uh, the biggest impact that learning how to facilitate design sprints has had on me is that I don't only have to use the skills during a design sprint. Like yeah. I bring them into my everyday. So if we're sitting around, we're you know going back and forth or around in circles on a problem, I'll bring in some of the exercises from the design yeah. sprint, like crazy eights or the sketching solutions yeah. and just help move things along. And I think it's helped me and my team, you know, kind of get to solutions quicker, Yeah, um, which is extremely helpful. So you had mentioned something in the beginning when you were talking about the best and the wrong times to run a design sprint. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about like when's a great time to run one, when's maybe not the right time? Uh, let's start with not the right time. Um, so not the right time is you don't have a decider. Uh, I definitely okay. ran a few sprints where the decider had a proxy, proxy and the decider didn't actually see eye to eye. It wasn't, the decider should have been there. And it was just a flop. And it's just such a, uh, you're getting people in a room for a week. That's a lot of valuable time. That's a lot of team morale. That's why these are great tools for building culture, for getting teams to work together. But when a decider's not in the room and like says, I don't like any of these concepts, like that's, that was terrible. That's not a great experience for anybody. So the decider has to be in the room. Otherwise it's not a design sprint. Um, sometimes teams will run a design sprint if the project is way too big and maybe you should break it down. It should be like multiple design sprints or mm -hmm. the project's way too small. And maybe it should be a different type of session. It could be a working session. It could be, there's other tools and toolbox. There's something called design studio, which is like a rapid drawing exercise. Uh, there's lightning decision jam, which is another AJ and smart, um, workshopping tool. Mm -hmm. That's another book that I think I have in a box behind me. Um, yeah, still <laughs> yeah. So, so knowing when to use that tool is really appropriate. Um, and then if you have like 15 people, okay, so it's again, maybe it's a different type of workshop, but it's not a design sprint. Call it, call it, use it when it's appropriate. So a good time to start a design sprint. Um, if you're stuck, like you were talking before, like you're just spinning your your wheels with a project. Uh, maybe it's like, hey, maybe we should pause, see if this is a design sprint, see if that's a new way of invigorating different ideas. If you're just kicking a project off, uh, that's a great time to do a design sprint. Um, those those are my my best two times of like, this is not working, let's do a design sprint, or like this is a brand new project, let's kick it off with a design sprint. Right on. And so most of the design sprints that you do, do you kind of have a specific problem that you're trying to solve or is it a little more open-ended where you're kind of looking yeah. to find the right problem to tackle? 
if you're looking to find the right problem to tackle, I would probably do a lightning decision jam because that'll give you a better breath. And those are also shorter. Um, those are like under two hours and can involve more people. So it's a great time for that exploratory work. The lightning decision jam, the recommendation could be, hey, now we have an idea for design sprint. Let's choose those, you know, six to eight people and pick a week and just do it. Right on. And so, oh, sorry. So didn't yeah, mean to yeah. cut you off there. <laughs> but you mentioned something really interesting there, which was the aspect of time and yeah. how long these can take. And so to businesses, like a five-day design sprint getting, you know, seven to eight, you know, high-level people in the room, especially when you talk about the deciders yeah. and those folks, um, that becomes really expensive. Um, how do you go about selling the idea of design sprints if it's a new idea in your organization? Right. Um, have you ever looked at the cost of bad design? Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, but it's true. Uh, you can you can take months and months and months to go back and forth and this and that. But when you have that decider in the room, especially if the, you coach the decider and like, this is what you're going to need to do. And they have clear expectations of their role, which is very important. I, I would meet with deciders like a week or two and tell them, hey, you're going to be asked to make decisions. You're going to be time boxed. This is what this is what's expected of you. Um, you can move very quickly, very very quickly, uh, and it would take months and months of people being like ten percent on a project or twenty percent. Like, get everyone in the room, jam on it, and get in front of customers. You're going to know what to do next. It really makes a big difference. Yeah, fantastic. And so now you've done one design sprint. You've proven to everybody that this is awesome. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about how the full process you kind of took to scale design sprints at Prudential? Because I know it's, it was kind of like a snowball effect. Like you yeah. did one, you showed it around, yeah. then you started doing more and everybody got interested. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you well, that's mind. exactly what it was. It was like a snowball uh, grassroots. I really had great leadership who encouraged it. Um, it. A lot of it was the timing was right. You know, maybe I, I wasn't, I wasn't in the customer office, which was where previously more of the design was happening. I was in like in a separate group, which is funny because mm -hmm. now we're all together. Um, so I, I didn't have as many. Uh, it was just like a little bit easier for me to kind of get in front of people, I, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and then we just started scaling it up. Just, just having that proof that it worked really mm -hmm. helped it get going. Um, and then realizing I can't do it myself and creating that training program that, that you and Brian helped me with um, mm -hmm. to get that going really made a big difference. Um, we also created a design sprint wiki. So it was a place to house all the documents. So people didn't have to like recreate the wheel. I had an email template. I have a, um, an agenda template. Like they, they have all the assets they need. They could just download mm -hmm. and get going. Like people didn't even need to take the course. I could coach them too. They could read the book. Yeah. Um, there's so much content now that there wasn't five years ago. Like YouTube is a plethora of videos that you can watch and learn and, um, that, that, that just yeah. didn't exist. Yeah. Right on. And that's, um, that's kind of how it worked for me was I read the book when you and Brian introduced me to design sprints on that project for <laughs> kind of creating that training guide. And then I got to go through the training with you, um, which was awesome. And then I think on my first design sprint, um, my boss at the time had offered to co 
facilitate it since she was very used to doing these. So she offered that. And that was, I feel like the perfect introduction for me. Yeah. So I didn't have the kind of full weight of it on my shoulders and I, you know, had somebody to learn from and watch and grow. Um, But it was a fantastic experience for me and I, I loved it. I'm bringing it to the company I'm at now. We just had our first remote design sprint and um, it was a huge success. Um, I I feel like the one problem I run into is now that we've done a design sprint, we've kind of identified a thousand other things we want to tackle. And so I guess a lightning decision jam might be uh, the next best decision. (laughs) Put it in the backlog, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's, there's really a whole community of design sprinters. I've really, and I've been, uh, been able to reach out to other people and other companies and kind of create connections. I know, I think Google does like a design sprint conference. Um, it's never, I, I think at one point it was invitation only. Then I think it was last time was on when I was on maternity leave. Like I've, I've watched some of the recordings from it, but it, it's definitely like becoming like more of a community even you know, outside of your individual companies and there's more people to like learn from and, and read articles and watch videos and things like that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your teaching job now, Kane, that's really exciting. Um, Yeah. How did that come about? And Uh, that actually, I was put in touch with Kane through um, a mutual friend who used to teach there. Um, he was at Prudential for a bit. And then <laughs> this is why you always, uh, if I have advice for any kind of student, it's keep your network, always be in touch with people. Um, you're, you know, the design world's not huge. Uh, and it's just, you need to be able to bounce ideas off of friends or have ideas bounced off of you. It's good to like mm-hmm. be able to give feedback and get feedback. Um, and so this one friend, I, uh, he was at Prudential for a bit. I helped him get a job somewhere else. He, referred me to Kane for teaching. Like it's just, uh, you know, uh, you know, good karma comes around, goes around kind of thing. So he put me in touch with them and, uh, that's kind of where I've, I've been. So I teach uh, one night a week, which is great for, you know, balancing prudential. I, I always learn things from the students that I can bring back to, you know, my day job. And, uh, there's been times where my day job has uh, had students apply. I just had a student email me today about applying for a job. So that's great that hopefully I can help uh, recruit some really good talent to bring it back into our organization. Um, and when the world shut down, it turned to a remote class, uh, which with tools like um, um, we use um, a lot of uh, Google Classroom and all the Google tools and being able to make comments in people's things. And then also Envision is free for students. Um, so we use that. And then I've, uh, I've introduced the students to usertesting.com that also has a university program. And my students are able to do remote test usability testing on there, which is awesome to be able to expose them to not just usability testing but like this is an actual tool that you might use in your future job so like i really wanted them to have exposure to that um so and then and they also do in-person testing so things like that so they i really treat them like hey you're working for a client this is what they want and they write their own design brief and they do their research and they do wireframes they go through the whole design process um some students you know have have complicated times and they their their portfolio uh the the end um presentation is really a piece for their portfolio 
um, and they can really tell the story of how they went from concept to finished product. Um, I'd love to teach design sprints in there. It's just not, just not possible in the short amount of time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Is, is that a, are those students working towards like a four-year degree or is yeah. that a, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, some of, some of, there's not a true UX, uh, um, uh, degree. Some of them are, are graphic design students. Some of them are advertising students, uh, but they're all in the uh, Michael Graves School of Design. Yeah. Okay, great, great, great. And I, I feel like learning you know, the full design thinking process is great for any designer, no matter what kind of field you're going into, even yeah. if it's advertising or those things. I think it just makes you a better all-around designer. Absolutely. And I feel that's one of the things I missed out. I started off as a graphic designer. It was that... <clears throat> Yeah, like the only thing that really mattered to me most of the time was like what I felt about this design. Yeah, Not, no. You know, what it means to the people who are going to be using it, interacting with it, and those things. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm glad you're getting to do that. That's really exciting. Do you feel like teaching has changed like you, like your career? Absolutely. So my, my role now where I bring uh, culture and training to um, our experienced design team, uh, really looking looking for themes that are happening. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always reading, I'm always listening to podcasts like yours and, and many others that I can bring to, to either work or school or to both. Um, seeing how the workplace is changing, uh, just physically, like being remote or not remote, we'll, we'll have mm -hmm. to see how that goes. Um, yeah, no, it definitely, they, they pair well together um, and yeah. they I definitely learn a lot I learned just as much as the students each semester. Each semester, I update the way I teach, uh, the way I do homework, the way I, the way I do everything, which has has been really great for me to to learn and constantly learn from the students. Yeah, fantastic. And so you, you mentioned something about culture and training. So I guess okay. your official role is director, yeah. experience design, culture, and training. Those are yeah. lots of yeah. Interesting lots words thrown together. <laughs> yes, lots of so our our wider team is experience design, and then my role is culture and training. So with the culture aspect, um, we've been leading coffee chats to really bond people together. I don't mm -hmm. think people understand just how much like knowing who you're working with helps create like a an emotional safety, psychological safety, uh, ability to collaborate and communicate. You really need to be able to know who you're working with, and those. Um, higher bonded teams have better outputs. Um, and so with that, uh, we're doing a lot of different monthly happy hours, lots of little interactions with people. Um, and then with the training side, I worked in creating, um, I'm right now I'm creating a, another pathway for, for onboarding training. I've worked with, we're scaling up agile. So teaching designers agile, teaching mm -hmm. agile teams, how to work with designers. So two sides of the same coin, uh, yes. coaching different people, continuing with the design sprint training program, uh, pairing people when they come to me, Hey, I'm, I'm needing to learn this, finding buddies for them to work with anything that's needed in that regard, which is great. And it's, it says a lot about Prudential that they're really putting, um, a lot of emphasis on design and our customer obsession and really growing that skill set. Um, which maybe you start, started to see the inklings of, and it's really coming to fruition now, which is nice. It's really been, it's been a great journey. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And no, I, I did see a lot of that. I met a lot of fantastic people and that's why I've had a lot of people from Prudential on this show is because 
there's a lot of really interesting perspectives and backgrounds and uh, just really all around great people. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so any advice for a designer who's you know looking to either get started in the field or you know transfer from some other field to the field of UX design? Yeah. Um, how would you go about that? Do you recommend the four-year degree, the boot camp, anything in particular? Yeah. So it depends where you're coming from and what your background is. With my background in design, um, I actually did a general assembly course, but mostly because I thought that I was going to become a developer at one point. So I was in a developer course and I okay. was like, no, I like people. And I went into the UX one and I actually got a job before the course even finished. So you know, it, it helped uh, solidify that my four-year design background taught me uh, a lot of what I needed to become a UX designer. Maybe we called things slightly different or had different ways of approaching, but it was really the core was the same. Uh, so that's one. So it depends on what your background is, which direction you want to go. It really depends. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that boot camps are bad. And I wouldn't say that a four-year degree is bad. It depends on where you're coming from and what you need, what skill sets you need to, to learn and improve. No matter what, you need to get some experience, whether that's like, hey, my local pizza store needs their website redone. Volunteer to do that. Uh, your, your cousin needs something done. Volunteer to do that. At a certain point, you need to stop volunteering and start charging. I don't mm -hmm. say that you should work for free forever, but you do need to create a portfolio. And however you need to create that portfolio, people need to be able to see your work. Um, I, when I'm looking at portfolios for people that we're hiring, I want to see your thought process. I don't want to see that razzle dazzle picture at the end. And that's mm -hmm. how I teach too, is like, I want to see your thought process. How did you get through this? And it's okay if you get lost. It's okay if you fail. How did you recover from that? How did you learn from that? How did you move forward from that? Um, and that's that's the story. And that's what we want to see in our designers and in our students and, and learning. So definitely working on your portfolio is, is key. But in that, don't do it in a silo. Reach out to designers. I love when people connect with me on LinkedIn. Now there's this new thing, um, ADP list. I think it started out yep. of the pandemic. They're amazing. That's unbelievable. They're doing such great work. Um, people should continue to get on that. I wish that had been around when I was a young designer. I wish yeah. that would have been amazing, but I did it for myself. I reached out to people on LinkedIn. When you're a junior designer, when you're a student, people are very willing to talk to you and be curious about what they do. Ask questions. Um, mm -hmm. Always have questions ready for them. How did you get to where you're going? How did you do that? What pathway did you uh, make? Is there anyone you can connect me with? That's a great question. Um, so definitely reach out to people, continue your network, be gracious, thank people. I've helped people you know, get jobs I, and people love that. It, it feels good. I, I want people to get jobs and people want to be, to, to get good talent. So it, it, works, it works for everybody. Um, so definitely continue to build your network, build your portfolio, and you're not alone. Like you should definitely be reaching out, talking to people. And it's hard. It's hard when you're applying for those jobs as a junior designer. I totally get that. And I hope mm -hmm. that other more senior designers don't forget that journey um, and don't forget that. And they reach back and pull junior people with them because um, it's super yeah. important. Absolutely. And that's, um, you know, part of the reason why I started this podcast 
And yeah. the reason why I started doing mentoring with springboard.com is oh, know, cool. for those exact reasons. But um, I feel like when it comes to building company culture too, like hiring junior designers, training them in yeah. you know the way that you work and the way that you feel you should, you know design should be done is a great part of building culture. I feel like it's really becomes difficult to hire culture in a way where you're going yeah. out and only hiring senior people it can kind of get into a little bit of a trap where people are kind of stuck in their ways and not really willing to, you know, be part of that big team effort. Yeah, no, it's true. We're, we're going to a little plug. Well, we don't have interns this year, but next year we hope to have interns. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I love that intern program. And um, we had some great ones that came through yeah. when I was at Prudential. Yeah. Um, she had been one of them. He will actually, um, he'll be on the show soon as well because he's done some really interesting stuff. And I loved every time they came through, they always had the best questions. And yeah. yeah, and I've talked to a few of them and they're always so just intrigued by what we do and so ready to try anything and do anything and just you know mm -hmm. get their hands dirty. It was fantastic to see. But um, so where do you go for inspiration now? It's a- uh, Yeah. I, yeah, you're not, you know, a junior designer just getting started, you're kind of, on that senior level now so like where do you go to yeah. get inspired and you know, learn more i listen to a lot of podcasts actually um right. and a wide range of of topics ideo has a great podcast um i like to listen to things outside of design too um mm -hmm. like brene brown's podcast things like that where it's like it verges on things that i'm dealing with or talking about um at work but it's not from a designer uh so right. I like either those like hardcore design topics um, or or going for more the business or psychological aspects. Um, so that's that's one. And it's nice to be able to do that. I can, you know, do while I'm playing with my kids, folding laundry, whatever. And, and that's and that's one thing I encourage at work or even with the students is is continuous learning. Like you can be learning at any time. And I love that there's so many different mediums that you can learn from now. Um, I love looking on YouTube, um, AG and smart. I love their channel. Uh, so if you want to watch like a video, um, and Instagram, I know that's crazy, but, um, I wanted to meet my students where they are. So mm -hmm. I actually have a series of, and I keep adding to it right now. I think I'm up to like 15 people of people you should follow on Instagram or LinkedIn mm -hmm. or, um, or Twitter, uh, and, and, and following those designers and, and I definitely could do more of this, but being part of that conversation, you know, you can jump in and, and join that conversation. You can get involved if you want to, uh, which is really nice. Uh, so those are, those are probably my main ways. I read a lot, see my books. <laughs> um, that's another way I get inspiration. Um, and then just being with my team, like really talking to them. We do surveys a lot, hearing our feedback, um, you know, being very goal orientated with that. Um, Evan and I actually sat down today and, and went through our mid-year goals. Like, what have we done? Wow, we've done a really lot. Oh, what do we have left to do? Oh, wow, we have a lot left to do, which is great because we're only halfway yeah. here. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. And so what's next on the horizon for you? Oh, next. We are uh, in the middle of um, hopefully making a proposal for an experience design conference uh, for uh, the fall, which will be super exciting. We have some proposals out for speakers, so hopefully we will 
make a conference. No clue what it's going to be. We're kind of running it as an experiment. Um, I think it'll be good. Uh, that's one thing that's uh, a big thing on my horizon. Um, and then a lot of other training programs I'm going to be launching soon. So that's that's been exciting. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And so where can people go to get in touch with you or how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, LinkedIn's always good. I'm pretty good about responding to messages. Um, you can reach out to me on there. That's usually a good place. I'm not active really anywhere else in social media world. <laughs> <laughs> A follower, uh, which is fair. Uh, so yeah, LinkedIn's a great place. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, I'm the same way. Just trying to get used to sharing on a uh, social media. I've been a follower for a long time, but now trying to you know get my ideas out there and contribute a little bit. It's difficult. It's, uh, yeah, no, this podcast is great, and uh, thank you for making an impact. I'm going to add you to my to my slides. So oh, <laughs> appreciate that. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Karen. Uh, it's great to catch up again and see uh, it's been a while. So um, yeah. really appreciate you being here and I can't thank you enough. No problem. Thank you so much. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I'll be releasing a show about every other week or so. If you'd like to be a friend of the show, leaving a review and a comment on Apple would be very much appreciated. Share a link to this show with your friends and anyone else who's interested in UX design. Feel free to recommend topics you'd like to hear discussed here. And if you have any questions about design, design careers, or anything else for that matter, you can DM me on my Instagram at userflows.live. Now let's go create.